no, I forgot to ask her. I've been so busy today. Yeah. And I've been on the phone like all day. Yeah. It's because it's your birthday. Yeah, but. Oh, I was going to sing when you walked in. I oh, forgot. that's okay. It's fine. You sang to me like a lot today, so it's okay. I've heard. I know the song. I've heard it once or twice. Yeah. From a lot of people. Yeah. It's cool. It I'm very sense. loved and I'm very grateful for it. You are. You are. You guys, if this is our podcast, What's With The Neighbors? This is my birthday. I was... Sorry. You stole it. (laughs) That's Amy. That's Brie and Brie's birthday. It's my birthday. But it won't be my birthday when this comes out, so... No, it'll be a week. It'll be next week, which is the week of the 13th. It'll be a week and a half from now. Yep. 10 days. So I've already had my fun. Yeah, it's over. You know, stop, I... You know what? Stop wishing her a happy birthday, yeah, you guys. Just Come on. Stop it. Stop it, it. I do say I get like a birthday week, not a birthday month, guys. Mm-hmm. That's overkill. Um, I was pretty sure that I was going to have the worst day ever today and like the worst birthday ever. And I just want to say thank you. You did? Because your hubby's gone. Because my hubby's yeah. gone. And I know I'm a grown up and I'm not supposed to care about my but birthday. You know but what? I care about my it's birthday. It's to celebrate you. Yeah. That's what I like And birthdays. you, al- I feel like you always, like, you, you just want to make sure that you have a good day on your yeah, birthday. Yeah, you want to have a good day. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're, like, sub- celebrating. Like, you plan ahead the day before so you can make sure every, like, obstacle that you will run in will not go to shit. Yeah. But, all right, let's make sure I don't wake up to dishes. Yes. Let's make sure I'm, I'm shaved everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> For what? My husband isn't even home. But you <laughs> Everything. want to feel good. First, yeah. you want to feel good on your day. You don't want to be frustrated on your day. Yeah. So it's, who cares if, like, I don't care if someone, so anyone else celebrates for me. I like to celebrate myself. Yeah, and like, I want to feel good on my day. It's my day. I don't get any other day of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, what, Mother's Day? But it's not Mother's Day. No, it's not. It's for the kids. No. <laughs> it. I mean, it's for the moms. It is an appreciation it, yes. for the moms. But you're, you feel obligated to dedicate it to the kids. Yeah. You want to spend Do motherly things. Yeah. Yeah. And when they, we love our kids, people. God, when they're younger, it's it's more for the yeah. kids. When it gets older, the kids can show appreciation. You're just like, I don't want to go stay the night you. at someone's house. Bye, please. Love you. That's what Alice's friends' mom did. <laughs> Happy <laughs> Mother's <her>. Day. <laughs> yeah, she stayed the night at our house, which Bye. I didn't care because then I got a day off. There you go. <laughs> I'd have to see them, and I was like, I'm not feeding y'all. <laughs> you feed yourselves. McDonald's. Yeah. Um. So today, June eighth, is the wonderful day of best friends day so okay well this is for best friends day. <laughs> you got me amy got me so much guys i was gonna bring all my presents but i already put them all away but this amy is why i didn't have you open the presents yeah on. you got me so freaking much amy is the leslie nope of gift giving she's amazing she got me my three shirts. One I'm wearing right now. It's awesome. She made it herself. It's like a ghost hunting EVP shirt. Um, she got me some cool stickers, which are on my water bottle. Yes. And some uh, friends nail polish and a friends uh, peephole sign, which I'm going to put with my coffee bar because it's going to be friends themed. Yeah. And just a whole other, bunch of other stuff. Bunch and of a kitten. Yes, and a kitten. But so my husband has that, to say yes. Amy, next year, 
Yeah. Jeez. Amy, next year? <laughs> you have a lot. You're going to have to go back and listen to this and be like, all right, what all did I get her? <laughs> okay. How uh, can I top this? Dang it. This year I have to get her a puppy. <laughs> a singing a singing band or some, some kind of- A singing band? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's Best Friends Day and it's not much, but I got you something. Things. I didn't even know it was Best Friends Day. I'm Every sorry. June 8th. That's how I, because everybody always does Best Friends posts on June 8th. Aww. It's good. Oh, yeah. We've talked about this. You're mm-hmm. our best friend of the world. I'm the best friend of the world. Thank you. <gasps> oh. Yeah, I saw those. Gosh! <laughs> Do you wear those kinds of socks? The ones yes! that are like that? Okay. That's what I the, thought. Like the ankle ones? Yeah. Yes. These are my favorite type of socks. Yeah. Yeah. I saw they had so they have so they have Pixar ones too. They have so many cute socks right now. Sorry, I you know I. They're Disney villains. Yeah, Disney villain socks. Oh, you got me a card. Yeah, only because it was funny. Okay. They have meme cards everywhere. <laughs> Best friends only. Okay. Amy, 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 Rillasaur. Amarillasaur sour. <laughs> I can't wait for you to open one of your gifts in there because. Aim, Amsterdam. <laughs> Amarillo. Uh, Amarillo. 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 I don't know how to. Just say me, A Dog Buddy. Best friends only. What do you mean? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I'm really bad at opening. It's okay. Oh I am God. too. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> Wait, let's show the camera. <laughs> have you seen those? All the meme cards that they have? No. Go to Walmart and just look at them. They have oh so gosh. many. Oh my gosh. I would spend there forever. <laughs> Hope you get lucky today. Amy, guess what? I'm here. So this card is true. Anyways, happy <laughs> National Best Friends Day. Inserts Ushi Gucci feelings. I feel it. You know how I it be a bud. I love you, bestie. XOXO. Bree out. Gossip girl. Gossip girl. Um, and on the back it says, can't text well, head stuck in banister, thought it would be funny, please send fireman. <laughs> I didn't see that part. <laughs> that is amazing. Problems. Oh, this is what you're like, just wait, just wait. Um, So they might be too big. That's okay. I okay. can tie them on the side. Okay. That's yeah. what I figured. Oh my gosh, Miss Frizzle of True Crypt. This is me. That's your head. Yes. Oh my gosh. I hope it sits right on your boobs. I'll make it. I was very worried about it. I like tying stuff in the corners right here. Yay! This is so cute. I can't believe you made me. <laughs> That's so cute. Thank you. You're welcome. And then, words are <laughs> Did you make this? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're making my head hurt. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> so the shirt says words are hard, but then underneath it, it's typed out or spelled out exactly how I would say it. That's how you're supposed to say it. Yeah. That's how it. That's how it is online. Words are w u r d z. The letter R hard. <laughs> I my sister 
this told me that, uh, and I forgot about it. She had told me, she was like, you should put all the words that she's mispronounced on there. Oh my gosh, it would be like a full long <laughs> I was like, and I didn't, I forgot about it until afterwards. And I was like, maybe we can add them to the back after we get them. <laughs> <laughs> Just like add them in there. <laughs> Executed. Oh Wait. Was it? Execution. Yeah, execution. It, yeah. I've said it so many different ways. <laughs> I can't wait till this week. <laughs> Thank oh, you, gosh. Buddy. You're oh welcome. Oh, gosh. I'm so excited Not to hear those. Much. Now but I don't have to do laundry for two days. There you go. See, <laughs> see I, you got me shirts and yeah, I got you shirts. Boom. Yeah. All right. This one is from the Nextdoor app and it is captioned blood curdling screaming around 1245 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Cool. Uh, woke to the sound of multiple screams slash wails. Almost sounded like a cry of sorrow, more so than pain. Walked around the neighborhood and ran into a square a squad car that was dispatched as other neighbors heard it too. Hope everyone is safe and okay. And then someone commented, Michael commented and said, Sorry. Caught up to the final Oh sorry. Sorry, caught up to the finale of The Bachelor. Couldn't believe the outcome. <laughs> Truth. Truth, Michael. <laughs> I love this Michael, too. <laughs> I don't know. Josh really gets it. He... So, okay, so David Meerhofer, Meerhofer was born on June 8th. That's my birthday. That's your birthday. On 1959. Of, of 1959. What did you do? Search true crimes yeah there was one that he like killed like 48 women and i was like i don't want to be that depressing <laughs> murderers born on june 8th yeah pretty much that's what i did that's cool yeah so david mirhoffer mirhoffer was born on june 8th 1949 to the parents of clifford and eleanor mirhoffner oh so <laughs> in boysman montana he was one of five children. Not long after he was born, they all moved to a small town of Manhattan, Montana. Mm. I know. Uh, I and I I told you this over the phone, but I tried to find more about his childhood. But all I really could find was that he was an outcast and he was bullied by the other students and he was an introvert and always seemed to have like a dark same. <laughs> but this like he always had like a dark cloud over him like just like you didn't want to be around him because he was always like sad like oh oh, i hate people like that thanks for noticing me so that type of guy eeyore yes eeyore so he graduated in 1967 he worked at doing some odd jobs until he was drafted into the army in 1968 and this i didn't understand because one site said he was drafted into the army in 1968 and then another site said that he enlisted into the Marine Corps and completed basic training in San Diego and was sent to the MCAS Cherry Point in Havelock, North Carolina. So I'm going to assume that he actually was in the Marine Corps because I looked it up and that is a Marine Corps base. Okay. So I don't know. But in even Wikipedia said that he like it said he was drafted into the Army in 1968. Mm-hmm. And then he completed basic training, or and then he enlisted into the Marine Corps, like, the next sentence. And I was like, that's too different. So, I don't know. But um, in 1969, he was sent to serve in the Vietnam War. He, there he was awarded the National Defense Service Medal. 
the Vietnam, Vietnam Service Medal, and the Vietnam Campaign Medal, all for the achievements in deploying communication systems and controlling military form formations during the armed, armed assaults. After serving in the war, he returned back to the United States and served two more years in Southern California and San Diego before being honorably discharged. He then returned back to Manhattan, Montana. He became Montana. a Montana. He became a self-employed handyman, carpenter, and had a little shop in Manhattan. Okay. Uh, on the night of June twenty fifth, nineteen seventy three, while camping with her family in Missouri Headwaters State Park, seven year old Susan Yeager was abducted from a tent. Three days later, a man called on the FBI regional offices in Denver, Colorado, claiming he was the one that abducted the girl and demanded $25, or $25. <laughs> I was about to say, wow. $25 ransom. <laughs> Tomato juice killer. Uh, he was demanding $25,000 in exchange for the girl. Jeez. Yeah, and on July. Especially in that time. Yeah. So on July 2nd, Seven days later, in Gallington or uh, the Gallington Counter Sheriff, Counter, the Gallington Counter Sheriff, Counter, yeah, the Gallington County Sheriff received a call very similar, but the ransom demand was fifty thousand dollars, and the sheriff was like, mm, "The FBI already got an official uh, ransom for this. You sound fake." And he's like, "No, this is what the girl looks like. This is when she was abducted." Um, everything he described, they're like, oh, shoot, maybe he actually is the actual person. So, oh, and he even said that there was a unique fingernail on one of the girls' index fingers. Oh, so, interesting. Like on a, her finger? Like, uh, like a, I'm going to guess like a birthmark. Okay, okay. And so, and that wasn't something that was publicized. Okay. So they're like, oh, dang. Okay, well, let's meet and we'll do this ransom exchange um but when they went to the trading spot where they had both agreed to go to no one showed up a few months later on september 24th the kidnapper called the girl's family home which is just terrifying and spoke to the older brother 16 year old daniel oh my gosh to the kid yeah uh, but luckily the fbi had already tapped in and was recording the the uh, all calls that were right. made to the house. So Daniel kept the kidnapper on the phone long enough for them to track where Good he kid. was calling. Good yeah. job. And they traced the call to Sharon, Wyoming. Cheyenne? Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Wyoming. So uh, they did some searching there, but they were not able to nail down exactly where the call was coming from. In February 1974, which was the following year, Two partial skeleton bodies were found in New Lockhart Place, which was an abandoned ranch in Three Forks, Montana. I wonder where my dad goes hunting in Montana. Oh, he goes hunting in Montana? Yeah. <clears throat> it's kind of far away from California, isn't it? Yeah, but that's where the good stuff is. That's where the big stuff is. Yeah. California has all little tiny yeah. little things. Yeah, it's like They're Florida. Like, they got little deer. Little deer. It's almost embarrassing to shoot. You're like, <laughs> huh. You're like a year old. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because they allowed so many people to like go hunting. It was overpopulated, so then they're like, "Oh, shoot everything!" And now everything's like, 
babies. They, they just need to cut it off for a year or two. So. Oh, yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, one belonged to a six to eight-year-old girl, and the other seemed to belong to an 18 to 20-year-old woman. Four months later went by before another event happened. On June 25th, the kidnapper called the Jaeger house again. This time, he talked to the mother for over an hour. Oh, dang. Yeah. At the time, at the end of the call, he told the mom he was unable to return her daughter, which that's just her. Yeah. That's, that I can't tells imagine. you, you already know. Yeah. A few days later, the FBI got a call from a resident named Ralph Green and was like, hi, I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, I have this weird charge on my phone uh, call log. Um, apparently... Um, I called someone on June 25th and I definitely didn't. So they're like, hmm, seems sus. So, um, the FBI investigated it and realized that there was a voice gateway and other devices that were built into the line break, which the police said that it was probably from the kidnapper. What does that mean? Like they like split the so, lines and they're like basically he was basically piggybacking off that line. Yeah. So what I'm. I'm not a telecommunication person, but I'm going to assume that, like, you tapped into their line so that you can make a call from a different phone. Like, kind of use their number as, like, a correct. cover. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So, uh, which, which we don't know that for sure that that's what that means. Right. No, correct. We're we just assuming. I'm going to assume that, but, um, yeah, I don't know what else it would mean. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Also, for that person to like go there and like read i guess back then like you probably get charged a lot for long yeah, distance or long something distance calls so you're just like hmm, why is my bill higher than normal yeah that would make sense who the hell is calling montana yeah. <laughs> colorado Dang i don't know it. <laughs> i don't know it's just interesting because i don't look at our bills at all yeah, like someone no. could definitely be using i mean I, I look at how much ours is each month yeah and I make sure it's the same price but that's yeah. it and if it's like a, like if it's more than ten dollars, I'm like, what happened? But if it's like around that range, I'm... you're like, okay, I'm not gonna. I yeah. don't feel like being on hold for forty minutes. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> to be told that, oh yeah, we went up in our prices. Yeah, or okay, bye. Oh, it's just your yearly charge. What yearly charge? Like, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why I said yearly. I don't. Know. Anyway, so for the. Uh, for a few years now, the FBI had been working on a new technique we are all familiar with now. They even have a whole TV show about it, which I love, Criminal Minds. Um, but back then it was still a concept uh, called profiling. Uh, so the FBI was like, let's break this technique out that we haven't tried out on anyone yet and see what happens. Gotta learn somewhere. Yeah. So the psychological... Visit logical profile of the offender is what the department's um, description is. They estimated that the kidnapper was a white 25 to 30 year old male. He was more than likely a local and had a background in telecommunications or military because of his knowledge into tapping into the house phone line. Okay. He also was probably an outcast and had issues inter interacting with others. So... Many suspects were ruled out during their investigation. The FBI started to narrow in on a well-known introvert in town named David Mirhofer. David. Yeah. 
so they eventually noted a man matching the description that had made frequent freak this man david matching the description and made frequent trips to three forks between 1973 and 1974 doing some construction and installation work at various ranches including the lockhart place where the two bodies uh two bodies were discovered, were discovered. right so they oh. also and so he was there they also were able to place him in wyoming in september of 1973 oh in cheyenne yep after finding a receipt from an auto repair shop in Cheyenne, which was the same day that the Jaeger family received their first call from the kidnapper. Right. So the first call came from Cheyenne. That's why they couldn't find him, because he was just there at a shop. That makes sense. Yeah. So David was arrested in August of 1974 and brought in for interrogation. He insisted he did not kidnap the girl and said that he would even take truth serum. Okay. <laughs> Which is obviously illegal now, but yeah. did you know that they're still using it in Asia? Uh, uh, where is it? In India. I didn't know it was ever illegal. I didn't know it was ever, it was ever legal, actually. I guess it was. I used to use it sometimes. But... I would I would think like the CIA would use it. Well, like secret yeah. agents, they're above that. They're above. They can the do that whatever on whatever they want. They can yeah, do whatever sure, they want. Sure, sure, sure. It's fine. But, yeah, so they used it, though. It was weird. Um, but they couldn't get anything conclusive out of him for it. Oh, out of this? Yeah. Okay. Because um, he agreed to, he, he used it. And then they also did a, um, so they interrogated him while he was under the influence of sodium pentothal, which is what the truth mm -hmm. serum, serum is. And he also took a polygraph test, which both came back as inc inconclusive. Which you probably can't, like, that's probably a big reason why they don't use it anymore, because it's not accurate. Just like a polygraph isn't always accurate. Correct. And uh, a lot of people say, like, you're, like, drunk. It's like you're going yeah. under anesthesia. Yeah. But not enough to knock you out. Yeah. So you're more than likely less, or you're less likely to lie. But... I can damn well lie when I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So it's it's watch like, me walk a straight line. Yeah, I I'm not. I'm, right. I'm fine. My name is Sharon. Look, look, if we do this, <laughs> I so yeah, I don't know. But so both came back as inconclusive because they couldn't get any solid evidence. They had to release him without any charges. The FBI didn't give up though. They ended up showing the videotapes of the interrogation to Susan, the girls, the girl that was kidnapped, her parents. Who were like, yep, that's the guy that called us. So, uh, oh, and, oh my gosh, this is something that was bananas to me. And I guess as a mother, I'm obviously I've never had a child disappear. So I don't know how to feel in those situations. But I've been a very, very angry mom and want to get back at someone you know and like get answers yeah, and stuff so of course susan's mom actually to mama bear yeah you turn into mama bear so susan's mom actually approached david the kidnapper on several different occasions and accused and she was like accusing him of killing her daughter and kidnapping her and then also uh she even was begging him to confess which i don't know i think i would be too scared to like i think i would too and then plus like what if on like what if 
I mean, there's a chance that you're wrong yeah. and you're accusing an innocent person. Oh, it's just so bananas to me. Like, I guess if I would do it, I would like approach him like at the grocery store or something yeah. and make a scene. So it's like, hey, he but he called them. So it's like that he knows where they live. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. So just crazy. Um, And it, after the last time that she, the last time that she approached him. He actually called the house the next day and said his name was Travis instead of David. And he said, you will never see your daughter again because you guys are cooperating with the police. Okay. Yeah. And while I thought you already said she's dead anyway. Well, he never, he didn't say she was dead. He said, you'll never see your daughter again. Or I can't return your daughter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this time he said, you'll never see your daughter again. And then the mom even called him by name. And he didn't respond. He, like, it was just silent. So, yeah, I don't know. But because of that, the police were like, hmm, we got the guy. Because you're saying that this is the same guy that You're admitting to you. it. Well, he didn't admit. Correct. But you also, basically just had to trace back the lines. Yeah. So they had to just, like, say, this is the same <clears throat> guy that's, call that's called us. And now you're saying that we'll never see our daughter. So this is the guy. Yeah. Um. Uh, he so then they arrested him the next day during the search warrant of Davis or David's house they found woman's clothes with blood on it blood stained clothes and a human hand and several fingers in the refrigerator oh. which is kind of gross but that right. sounds lady yeah. fingers yeah so the FBI told David about what they found in his home and he ended up confessing that he had kidnapped Susan Yeager and another person 19-year-old Sandra Dykeman Smulgan, who was reported missing on February 10th of that year from a basketball game in Manhattan, Montana. Uh, he said that after trying to have a romantic relationship with Sandra and she denied him, he ended up abducting her and tying her and gagging her, and hmm. she ended up suffer suffer suffocating to death. That's appropriate. That's what you do when yeah. someone doesn't want to be with you. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's so, not what you do, people. Don't accept, don't mistake what I just not, said, please. Just accept the denial. Yeah, come on. We've all been denied before. Yeah, there's someone out there for everybody, and except for you, David. Yeah, sorry, David. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so David claimed that Susan was stabbed to death, the little girl, after shortly kidnapping her, but she did not sh she did not go without putting up a fight. Both victims were dismembered with a hunting knife and wood saw, then burned them in a fire pit before scattering their ashes and remain remaining bones at the Lockhart place. Although he admitted to these two murders, the FBI could not determine a motive, unfortunately. Okay. And David's attorneys and him accepted a plea deal to avoid the death penalty in exchange for two other separate murders that had not been leaked to him. Jeez. So they were like, hey, we won't give you the death penalty if you accept that you did these other two murders. And he's like, okay. That's a good deal. Yeah, but what if he didn't actually do them? Yeah, then the murderer is still out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. So. <laughs> that is kind of messed up. Yeah. So one was a 13 just trying to get out of paperwork. Mm -hmm. That A lot of police do that, though. What? It happens often. That, is, that sucks. Yeah. So one was 13-year-old Bernard Pullman, who was shot to death on a bridge in Three Forks on March 19th, 1967, while swimming with a friend, which 
This murder was initially ruled as an accident from a ricochet bullet from hunters nearby, which is very believable. Yeah. And the other murder... Terrible luck. Oh, I know. But it's believable. Yeah. The other was the murder of a 12-year-old Boy Scout, Michael Ranny, who was beaten to death in Three Forks during an outdoor practice session. That's all the information I have about it. And along with the original murders, the police were never able to establish a motive for all those, all four murders. The sheriff's department suspected that he had committed more murders, but he only confessed to those four because of his deal with the Galantine County prosecutors. And only four hours after David confessed to the murders, he was found dead in his jail cell. He had hanged himself with a towel. Jeez. There's been uh, uh, the Jaeger girl. Her mom ended up uh, going on to writing a book about it. And, like, uh, I forgot what it was called. Like, basically, like, the kidnapping of her daughter and everything that they dealt with. And Gosh. then, like, the aftermath. I can't imagine being that parent. No, me That's either. That's awful. Yeah. I don't, pray to God, I never do have to be. I know. Ugh. I can't imagine. No. So, yeah, that's it. That was good. Thank you. So he co- confirmed he killed two. He ki- he said he killed all four, but... Right. Only because of the deal. Definitely was... Yeah, because okay. it was the deal, but he definitely right. killed those two. Right. Yeah. I figured I'd do this one because, like, all the information is, like, laid out in, like, news articles. Uh-huh. So, um... Okay, so Barney and Betty Hill were a newly married interracial couple in the 60s. Kind of a big deal then. That's why it was mentioned. Huge bug bug deal. Huge bug deal. Uh, (laughs) Barney was an army vet who now worked for the U.S. Postal Service. And also, I didn't include this in my notes, but I meant to. He also was actually pretty smart. And um, he had like an IQ of like 140. Jeez. I don't know what I wonder what IQ he did in the is. <laughs> um, I don't remember. I know he was something. injured, and I know he was um, uh, what is it? Honorably discharged. Oh, okay. Um, so he now worked for the U.S. Postal Service uh, while Betty was a very busy social worker. Oh, yeah. So they were both established in life. He had been married previously, but and had kids and everything, but they divorced, and he met Betty, and they. They're together. They they fell in love. Voila. I love it. So the two were headed home from uh, Niagara Falls or Montreal. They'd, they'd been married for like, I think it said 10 or 16 months. One of the two of them. Uh-huh. And they had never had a honeymoon. So they were kind of having like a little delayed last yeah. minute honeymoon spur of the moment. They brought like $70 with them apparently. And just to think about driving like four hours away to go to like Niagara Falls and stay in a hotel and eat and off enjoy of yourselves $70. off of $70 when it easily costs like $70 to fill a fuel efficient vehicle these days. Yeah, that it's makes depressing. my heart hurt. That's like one meal. <clears throat> That's a gas tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like one meal. Okay, so um, so they're coming back from this honeymoon, and they were driving through the New Hampshire White Mountains on Route 3. It was uh, late at night, around 10, 30, 11 o'clock, so there wasn't much traffic. And because of this, Barney took it as a precaution to put his handgun in the 
trunk of the vehicle just in case they came across someone or if they ended up stopping to sleep in the vehicle. Okay. And so as they drove, Betty noticed a bright point of light in the sky, possibly a planet or a star that was getting larger and brighter. She was really into like astronomy because her dad was really into astronomy. Aww. So she liked this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the object began to appear to move. So they ended up stopping the car to get a better look at it and walk their dog. They had a little dachshund. Um, as they observed with their binoculars that they happen to have on them, I guess people just carry binoculars on them back in the day. So as they, as they observed it with their binoculars, uh, Barney had told Betty that it was probably a satellite or some kind of plane. Okay. But the object didn't seem to be behaving like a satellite would. I guess she had never seen one, but she, she's heard of them and she knew like, this is not... That's not what a satellite would do. That's I've I've never, I've never heard of one doing that. Right. So they ruled. They ended up ruling that out. It would fly away to like the west, then come back toward them, and just like go in all kind of weird directions. And it started to pick up speed in their direction. So Barney was oh now gosh. convinced that it was actually a plane. It's fine. It's okay. Um, so because it's moving fast and moving in different yeah. directions, yeah, yeah. So Barney now was convinced that it was a plane. So Betty was convinced that this was a flying saucer because this was like a pretty popular thing to believe in right at this right. time. Um, a lot of people had supposedly seen them, um, and apparently her sister had also seen one um, not long before this, like several months or a year or something. So, right. um. They, but, but Barney, he didn't want anything to do with that theory. He's like, no, they're not real. That's not a thing. Just stop. And like in some tapes that you listen to, he kept on saying like, she was annoying him. She was annoying me. She was annoying me. She wouldn't stop saying it was a flying saucer. She was annoying me. And so like, he was very much like skeptic big time. Yeah. So... They started to get a little freaked out because it continued to, like, move towards them. And so they got into the vehicle and continued their way. Okay. Uh, Betty kept her eye on it while they drove and noticed that it appeared to be following them and getting continued to get closer. That's creepy. Yeah, and it was, like, flying in, like, a zigzag pattern, like... Following them. close, Yeah, closing in on them. So... Uh, for 30 miles, it did this until they were in an area called Indian Head, where it had stopped midair on the highway. They stopped again, and Barney grabbed his gun, just in case. What are you going to do? you going to shoot at it? I'm going to shoot at this light. I mean, if something there. comes out of it, yeah. yeah. So he had gotten out to get another look at, a look at it with the binoculars. And he wanted to believe it was some sort of jet or plane and tried listening for a humming. Maybe a like, helicopter. Yeah, or like a yeah helicopter noise. But there was absolutely no noise where he, sh he should have definitely heard about heard a noise. And he, he was he was knowledgeable in aviation. Yeah. So he knew if it was a helicopter or a plane, he would have definitely heard it. Right. So, when looking at it, he described it as a big pancake with lit windows. And he was able to see into the windows, nope. and in the windows were uniformed lit men looking down at them. 
Men? Yep. Like uniform figures, like men in looking down at him. Makes like, me think of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> or like Valiant Thor. Same yes. thing? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was him. Um, they feared that they were at risk of being captured, so they quickly got back into the vehicle and sped down to the hi- sped down the highway. As they were driving, they felt like a vibrating and heard like a beeping that they described that sounded like a microwave, and then they blacked out. When they woke up, it was hours later. Barney was just woke up driving. What? And he was driving down the highway as if nothing had happened. So it's like they went from like one step and then like they're continuing to drive, but like they just lost like all this time. Um, Uh, Are you going to say, were they in any different part of the highway? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, they were they were headed towards their direction, so yes. Okay. They weren't they weren't in the same spot that they were. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So eventually, they got home, and they noticed on the trip that should have taken only four hours actually took like seven. So oh they lost gosh. like two and a half, three hours of time. Yeah. Um. They showered because they felt dirty, and Barney noticed some soreness on the back of his neck scuff marks on his shoes betty's dress had some kind of pink powder on it and the zipper was torn um Ooh. the strap on the binoculars was broken and their watch both of their watches stopped working so just some odd random little things uh when so weird. when they got home barney was worried about radiation poisoning because they knew that there was something going on right so he ended up telling betty to leave all their belongings on their porch for a few days just to you know let it air out yeah just as a precaution um i don't know if that would actually do anything though Mm-mm. so they they were kind of on the edge about everything and kind of silent on the topic um but eventually someone had to break the silence and talk about it and they ended up discussing their experiences i would have been talking about it right then yeah like what happened what i mean they're happened. both probably exhausted from the trip yeah. And from being and you're abducted, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's they're they went through a huge traumatic experience that they don't know what. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the two discussed their experiences, and they took it a step further, and they each drew. They went to separate rooms, and they drew what they had seen, like the craft, and both pictures came out almost identical. Whoa! So they they wanted to know like. Am I crazy? Did we see this? Or right. did we both see the same thing? Then they confirmed it. So she called her sister on this whole incident. And the sister advised her to contact the nearby Peace Air Force Base and uh, to inspect the vehicle. So they checked the car for anything unexplainable and noticed quarter-sized blotches on the vehicle. And then I guess she had told them to like take a compass with them and put them on the blotches. And whenever they had done so, the needles just went wild, just started what? spinning. And like they'd take them off and they were back to normal and they'd put them back on and they'd go crazy. And the sister told them to do that? Yeah. What the heck? They knew they, they were super into like UFO stuff. It's pretty cool. Sounds like your um, father in law. Yes. Yes, he's very knowledgeable about UFO stuff, too. Which I think is bananas. He's super cool. Um, So on September 21st and 22nd, they were interviewed by the military. 
Uh, Betty told the investigator about the sighting, but she left out some details like seeing the beings and like, because she's like, they're going to think I'm nuts. So I'm just going to leave that part out. I'll just talk about the craft and seeing it in the sky and all that stuff. Yeah. I so, do not want to go to the yeah, bend yeah, exactly. Like no, but there's there's been tons of UFO sightings, but no abduction stories, none that right. were public at least. So, right. this is definitely the first one that was made public. Uh, during this, they allegedly told her um, of an observation they made on the radar that same night at two fourteen a.m. Um, something pop up popped up on the radar <gasps> that was. They didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know what it was. What the heck? So they told them that they had seen this thing on the radar that morning, right. that same morning. And as of September 26th, it was it ended up being reported that the couple misidentified the planet Jupiter, creating the an optical an optical illusion. Oh, so they basically is. are like, OK, these people are crazy. But they ended up reporting it to the Air Force Initiative Project Blue Book. So why would you report it if, if it's it if it's just, just like a mis misunderstanding mm-hmm. with misidentifying mm-hmm. a planet? Mm-hmm. If it's yeah, whatever. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Exactly. Why would you even bother telling them? So Betty began to do some digging of her own. And she went to the local library and read tons of books about UFOs, UFO sightings, just everything about it. And she found uh, some books by a Donald Kehoe, a, who was a former Marine Corps naval aviator and now at the time was a leader of in like UFOlogy. And he was one of the founders of NICAP, which is National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. So he was alien shit. He's, he was UFO, UFO stuff. He's like, <laughs> I know UFO stuff. UFO stuff. So Betty sent Mr. Kehoe a letter detailing all of their memories that they could remember on the incident, but explained that they had been missing some time and were considering hypnosis or trying to get the memories back in some way. Right. So she began to have some vivid dreams and possibly memories of missed time that from that night. Oh. So after after Barney not wanting to hear them, she eventually began writing them down. Oh, Barney. He didn't want anything to do with this. Like he was he was traumatized from yeah. it. Very they both were, but he was really traumatized. He's from like, it. I'm I'm done. I don't want to deal with so it. Like, according to her dream, she explained that they were both taken in different rooms for testing. Uh the main one is she referred to as the leader. And he spoke English. He was the only one that spoke English. And he answered all her questions and they seemed pretty friendly. Okay. So the leader even said that he could, she could even keep the a book that she had found on the on the craft as like evidence or like a souvenir. He's like, sure, yeah, but but okay. it was and it like as they were leaving, I guess there was like an argument about it, and they were like, no, she can't keep that. We want them to forget all about all this, right? So they examined their eyes, ears, nose, throat, and took samples of their hair, nails, and scraped their skin. They also, I know it sounds gross. They also checked their nervous system with some like wires and they performed a pregnancy test with a needle to her navel, which she said hurt really bad. 
um she uh, that's not how you uh... yeah in the recording <laughs> she was like and they put this needle inside my navel or in my navel and i asked what they were doing and it hurt really bad and they said we're just performing a pregnancy test and she said well that's not how they do it or we are <laughs> <laughs> Um, she also mentioned them tugging at her teeth as if they were trying to remove them and they were puzzled to why Barney's teeth were removable. He had dentures because he he was in the war and he got them blown out and she, she had to explain that to him, them and they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So after reading their letter, Kehoe, because she put all this in the letter to this guy, Mm -hmm. he'd passed it on to a man named Walter N. Webb, who was an astronomer and another NCAP member. Or NICAP member. He then met with the Hills on October 21st of 1961. Over the course of six hours, freaking long time, they gave him everything they could recall about that night. Barney's version seemed to bother him more. And so he believed that he was kind of like blocking out memories that he didn't want to remember. Right. Um. I'm even surprised he agreed to yeah. with him. I mean, what I think at this point, he was just like, the only way I'm going to get through this is if I just remember it and get over it. Yeah. Because you, like, I I think, like, your self-conscious, like, knows that something happened. And it's yeah, like, we it got to, yeah, does. you got to get past it. So, uh, overall, comparing both stories, they seem believable. Aside from just a few minor details that didn't correlate, like, the exact same times or the exact same places or sizes and distance of things. Right. So, I mean, and, like, I am I tell Josh that something looks 100 feet, and he's like, no, that's 212 I'm, feet. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know that stuff. So, I just, I'm, yeah. I, don't ask me. That how... fish was 20 feet long. No, but it wasn't, but it was 20 inches. It was 20 inches, yes. <laughs> To try to recall some memories on their own, because he wasn't quite ready to go to a hypnotist yet, Uh um, they decided to take weekend trips to the White Mountains, where they had been abducted, and just hoping to spark a memory or something, but they were unsuccessful. This isn't a movie. That doesn't happen that way. Uh, Barney was eventually referred to a Dr. Benjamin Simon, who's a psychiatrist who specialized in hypnotic therapy. Okay. The first session began on January 4th of 1964 and continuing the, these sessions continued for six months. So they ended in like June. Yeah. Um, They were addressed separately. So neither would know what the other would say. And, Heads up, guys, if you want to listen to these, like, I tried to listen to them, but they're, like, hard to listen to. They, he's, there's a lot, he's, he was traumatized. Like, he's crying in it, and he's basically, like, reliving the entire thing. And he's, like, in this dream state where he's, like, talking about, like, everything that he sees, everything that he's doing, and he's, like, freaking out and crying and saying, no, no, their eyes, their eyes, I'll go through it. Wow. So in his session, he showed to be more traumatized and got very emotional and worked up, having several outbursts during the sessions. He recalled that the binoculars binoculars strap... Words are hard. (laughs) Words are hard. (laughs) He recalled that the binocular strap had broken when he ran from the UFO back to the car. He said he drove away from it, but then felt compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods where he found six men standing on a dirt road. 
The car stalled and three of the men approached the car and they told him not to be afraid. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be afraid. We're not from this planet. Definitely. We're coming to now. take you. Yeah. Now I'm afraid. I wasn't before. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that's that's the one thing you should not say. Yeah. Just like be calm. Be Remain calm. Calm. Calm, calm down. down. Yes. Exactly. No. Do not ever tell a woman to calm down. No. So they brought both of the hills into this craft into separate rooms, just like she had said in her dream, mm-hmm. and told them to lie on a rectangular table, which he had commented that was like too small for them. Uh, he kept his eyes shut for the most of the exam, and Barney had been kind of like in a comatose state, uh-huh. but he remembered the being staring into his eyes. Um, and under hypnosis, which I said you can find on YouTube, he says things like oh those eyes they're in my brain and he's like crying about it and it's it's awful hearing like a grown man break down like that yeah he said he also remembered a cup like device uh was placed over his genitals sees peepee um he believes they had collected some kind of sperm sample but he said he never um that he knows of yeah that he knows of exactly i think i would remember that though um well they could that would have been a lot more pleasurable experience (laughs) most pleasurable abduction (laughs) um oh no i'd probably do it again nine out of ten nine out of ten would recommend would recommend (laughs) okay so um oh you go for those Happy ending massages. <laughs> I go for the happy ending abduction. <laughs> happy ending abduction. Uh, love it. Uh. <laughs> okay, so um, <laughs> like Betty's dream, they checked all orifices and took samples and also inserted a tube into his anus, mm-hmm. um, which was removed. So um, Rick had one of those. Oh, that's fun. Not fun for him, though. No, he was in a coma. He, he didn't he get fine. removed that quickly. No. Um, he recalled being escorted from the ship into the car and was, like, in a daze. And he said he recalled watching the ship leave. Wow. So that's just, like, a short version of what he had talked about. But, like, this was over a six-month period of time. So, right. like, he probably said so much more. So, as of Betty's sessions, um, under hypnosis, she, it was, her experience was pretty similar, um, at least to what she had described in her dreams, with some differences, mainly with her capture and, like, releases, as well as the technology on the craft and the physical appearances of the beings. So, however, both of their stories were consistent with with each other's, um... She also got very emotional recounting the capture and examination, having to end one of her sessions early because she was crying so bad. Um, But, like, she made it sound like it was such, like, a pleasant experience, though. Like, she was, like, she said she was talking to them and asking them questions and she was calm, but. I can understand. Maybe she didn't quite, like, wasn't coherent. Yeah. Was kind of, like, in shock. Yeah. It was like coping, coping type thing. A coping mechanism. Yeah, and then afterwards, like, holy shit, what just happened to me? Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, Simon ended up giving her some homework when she... That's what I want. 
and he had her like sketch a copy of the star map because she had talked about the stars that were around them I guess and she later described it as like a three-dimensional projection like a hologram and she said there were 12 prominent stars that stood out to her and she drew them all and they were connected by lines forming a triangle and then branching out into some dashed lines she said it was basically a map of it was basically a map the solids were trading routes and the dashed lines were uh less traveled stars interesting it was later analyzed by a marjorie fish who and she wondered if she could decipher the star system from a specific viewpoint and it they actually found like the star system where it would correlate with it was called the uh zeta reticuli 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 zeta reticuli which is also you can look up that and this case will pop up it's like a constellation of Yes, exactly. And that's about like 39 light years from us, too. So it's like super far away. Whoa. Super far away. They were like driving forever. Super far. Um, Detour. So her, her, her account isn't super long, but I mean, she had all those dreams that she had talked about. So, um, there are skeptics. There are always skeptics. And uh, a lot of them believe that, uh, Betty began to, recall and dream these memories because she had been heavily researching the topic at the time and it was becoming big at the time right but like i said before an abduction had never been something that was like publicized so like why would she decide to yeah yeah like she's not gonna dream that up being abducted by aliens and then their stories were the same correlate yeah yeah that's what I was going to say is especially with her husband, like, not wanting to deal with yeah. it at all. Yeah. Like, if I was like, all right, Rick, we're going to come up and just come up with this story. He'd be like, no, that's no. stupid, Amy. Yeah. We're not I've doing that. I even asked him, like, would you help me hide a dead body? Which I would never kill someone, anyone. But he's like. You got to know. Yeah. I was. I said, would you help me hide a body? He said, no. You got to know would... if them hoes be loyal. Ex- no. He's like, no, I've. I would turn you Mm -hmm. into the police and I was like hello he's like you're going straight to a loony bin I got you buddy I was like thank you buddy (laughs) so definitely my husband would not help me correlate with some story like that jeez he's like you're going down on your own wow I I'm like I think he's like means that as like our child this is what's best this is what's best yeah (laughs) that I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the logical one yeah (laughs) Okay, Josh wouldn't help me either. Okay. Although he would be good at it. He has an abundance of lime all the time. Yeah. I think that's what they use to help take out the smell. I, I know exactly what to do. Yeah. Another skeptic, later a psychiatrist, suggested that the abduction was a hallucination, hallucination brought on by stress of being an interracial couple in the 60s. But... Be, they but... they discounted it because they were like, okay, our we're happily married. Our friends, family, and the public they were super involved in the public. He was right. a part of like the government or a bunch of local stuff. They were always in the community service and stuff, and like NAACP and stuff. But yeah, there's and she was a social worker. Yeah, everybody was fine with it. Nobody cared. They didn't care. Yeah, they were happy, 
a Jim McDonald, who was a resident of that area where they had been abducted, had come out with a detailed analysis of their journey and believed that they misperceived an aircraft warning beacon on Cannon Mountain as a UFO. He said they took the road at what appeared to be the same time that the hills saw the UFO. The remainder of the experience came on due to stress, sleep deprivation, and false memories uh, that were recovered under hypnosis. So, like... He said that they were like the poster people for don't drive when you're tired. But like, how do you mistake a giant beacon that's lighting up for something that's moving towards you and hovering over and the road? In the hours. In the hours, exactly. Like, I will say though, to help with that, um, to back up what that guy's assumption was. One time my sister drove up to Washington for a wedding and back down to Redding, California the same day and night. And she was driving and she said that she kept, she swear she saw a UFO because she was driving and she said she was so tired. Where was she going to? She drove up to, from Redding to Washington. I think it was like Seattle, Washington. That's like, those are all like hot spots to see him though. She could have. She very much could have, but she was like, this was like when she was super younger, a lot younger so? to my older sister. She's like, and Seattle is like over, it's like a 12 hour drive. Mm-hmm. But she drove up there. They went to a wedding and they drove back the same night. And she's like, I saw a UFO that, that night, but I was super tired so as too. So I don't know if I did. And I was like, did you maybe she did she very she well said could there have. was a green light that like shot across the sky and she, i was like well that's a meteor and she was like no no one else like there was no meteor site that reported that night i don't know so i want to hear that story you never will because it's my older sister and she, we don't talk oh Okay, gotcha. Sorry. Um, so lastly, many believe that this was a whole act to become famous. Why? But like they didn't even attempt, other than calling uh, like the government privately, they right. didn't attempt to make it public. They, they didn't, didn't call like call the, the news or yeah. Stuff. They never once called the media. The media like heard about it and would come to them. So and it wasn't even that big of a deal. They ended up going back to normal. And they were willing to discuss it with, obviously, like, family and friends and then um, the occasional UFOologist. Well, I will say at that time in the 60s, as a biracial couple, they probably didn't want the attention mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. them. Exactly. So. Or or they may have just because it was, they were part of, like, civil rights and stuff like that. Maybe. So that but... was another thing was that they could have wanted the limelight because they were in a racial. Maybe. Yeah. And they were trying to show like, oh, oh equal. we're fine. Equal. Yeah. Equality. Yeah. I don't know. I like to think That's, that people no. don't like to do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Um. So, yeah, they they would share the story with family and friends, whoever asked about it and the occasional UFOologist. But they made no effort to seek out publicity on their own. Uh, since then, this has been made or has made it to many magazines, uh, a book called The Interrupted Journey that became huge. It was also featured on many TV series and shows and a movie called The UFO Incident. Do you know if they made the book or if someone else did? Someone else did. Wow. Someone else got yeah. like interviews with them and 
wrote the book. I had the name in here. I guess I didn't write it down. That's crazy. Um, that's bananas. That's bananas to the wall. Bananas to the wall. <laughs> um, Barney ended up having some health problems, and he died. He had they had like a lot of health problems after this, which that's that's the thing. Yeah, and and thing. apparently the dog did too. And the dog died. I know. I think her name was Dulcie. Yeah. The dog died. Yeah, the dog died. You didn't live I don't I don't think the dog I don't think the dog lived long after it. Um sad day. Poor puppy. Rip. Puppy. So, Barney ended up having uh, some health problems and he died of c- cerebral hemorrhaging on February 25th in 1969 at the age of 46. Wow. So he died young. Yeah. And Betty was pretty popular in the UFO community, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and she died at 85 of cancer, but she, that's pretty long. Right. And she never remarried. Um, her last interview was actually in like 1999 and she like gave like a full TV camera interview or whatever of her accounts of what happened. And she seemed like super upbeat about it and like willing to give information. She, she's probably like really cool and like knowledgeable about the topic now and just into it yeah it's like yeah i was abducted by aliens <laughs> let me tell you it's about terrifying, it terrifying but i'm gonna tell you about it because it was cool well, not, it was not cool don't i don't want it to happen you're trying to like help other people understand it understand and be aware of it i don't know yeah they say if you talk about it and you learn a lot about it you become it it happens that's why i'm not learning about that's why we got weirded out when my ear started ringing earlier Uh (laughs) i was like i'm losing my hearing that's what's happening that's exactly it's because it's your birthday yep because i'm older happy birthday Bree! thanks buddy that's what the name of the i like i saw that you rolled your eyes it's okay i do it i just did it again i do it all the time yeah i do too my eyes live at the back of my head um so this is called <clears throat> what's with the neighbors podcast yeah uh the title is urgent alert could everyone be quiet for a few days please i need, I need to catch up on some sleep the end they must live in an apartment <laughs> uh so to listen you can find us on all the platforms uh spotify itunes you can rate and review us we have been getting more ratings lately we really appreciate it yeah, so thank, thank you. you um Reviews are great, too, so if you have a second, just throw a quick review in there. It doesn't take long. Um, Also, don't forget to follow us and like us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and that's at WWTM Podcast. We also have a Facebook group where we're really active on, post lots of fun and funny things and inside jokes that you guys can interact with, and you guys can even post on there. Yeah. Um, Our website is whatswiththeneighbors.com. And on there, you can find everything that she just mentioned, along with a link to our merch which is oh along with our merch and we got some cool stuff guys yeah and that's and a link to our patreon which is patreon.com forward slash wwtm podcast and if you want to be on the better bus three dollars a month you get exclusive content and for five dollars a month you get exclusive content and a link to our episode unedited feel free to slide into our dms with any questions comments story suggestions and your own um, story choo suggestions. Choo. I forgot to say choo choo. Sorry, I was very late. Sorry, it's okay. And your own personal paranormal 
our true crime stories. We strive once a month to have listener stories and episodes. Our email is wwtnpodcast at gmail.com. And have you checked in on the neighbors? What's with the neighbors? Bring Amy out. What's with the neighbors? Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, Bree. Happy, happy birthday, Bree. Bree, 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 Bree.